Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we'll keep the discussion going with Joe Oliver, former PC finance minister. And by the way, uh, Joe has also been named to the board of directors of the uh, independent independent electricity system operator here in the province of Ontario. Congratulations on that appointment, Joe. Thank you very much. All right, let me just get around to uh, this study that's uh, just come out, commissioned by Environment and Climate Change Canada, called Canada's Changing Climate Report. Rather ominous picture that they paint if we don't do something aggressively to address climate change. Now, Joe, you've said you uh, maybe question the veracity or methodology. You question the science even being settled on this one. But let's get down to uh, where I was really positioning the argument, because uh, I'm questioning if we can reconcile economic prosperity with aggressively fighting climate change, even above and beyond the goals set at uh, Paris in 2015. And you say in your op-ed piece in the Financial Post the other day that uh, because this issue has really become a moral question, but you say there is a moral imperative of developing fossil fuels, especially in the poorest people's countries. Uh, so that's a moral imperative. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, I just returned from the Petroleum and Energy Summit in Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea, and it really put into stark relief that that moral imperative, uh, because the the country of Papua New Guinea has only 13% of its population with access to electricity. Um, and, you know, more, more globally, there's a billion people uh, in in the world that don't have access to electricity and another billion and a quarter who have only insecure access. And if you don't provide hydrocarbons um, to to their countries, uh, they're never going to escape grinding poverty. So this this is a, a serious moral issue. And why should we be telling them that they can't escape uh, from uh, from a dire economic situation that uh, uh, that, that is affecting uh, their lives and the lives of their their, their children and grandchildren. Um, well, let me know, t- let me tell you what I think the answer to that is because I remember years ago interviewing David Suzuki and I mentioned to him that I, unless China and India, for example, are on board with fighting climate change, we're shoveling sand against the tide. His answer was effectively, uh, we've got to allow them to come up to our standard with industrialization and everything. So we bear the while we allow them to play catch up uh, and then maybe somewhere in the foreseeable future by mid-century or whatever, uh, they become good stewards of the environment. Does that make sense to you? Well, not not really. Uh, I mean, what, what he's suggesting is that the biggest uh, emitters of, of GHG, uh, of, of, of greenhouse gas, of, of, of carbon dioxide, in effect, are somehow uh, going to be influenced by what uh, Canada does. And if 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 he thinks uh, that that China, with 1.3 billion people, are going to care about Canada, we we've seen how much they care about Canada's attitude. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you look at 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 the um, at, at the Paris Accord, um, 
you know, the, the countries simply aren't, aren't following it. But even if they did, studies have been done to show that if they all uh, complied, which will never happen, uh, the impact on the temperature will only be two-tenths of a degree Celsius uh, in the year 2100. So it's the impact is is almost uh, is almost uh, zero. And in the meantime, what we know is in Asia, there are coal plants in existence and being built 2400 coal plants, which we're going to uh, which will be able to um, generate uh, two million uh, megawatts of power. Um, and, and to sort of put that in, in context, uh, in Ontario, uh, the, the number is between 20 and 30,000. So, uh, you know, what, what is happening in Canada is, is less than minuscule compared to what's going on in, in these other countries. So what you're saying is the trade-off to beggar our own economy for the sake of the developing world is not worthwhile. Well, it's, it, it has no effect. It's not for the sake of. If, if it had an, an impact, then I would say, well, yeah, we have a moral obligation uh, to do our part. Um, but other countries aren't doing our, their part, and the, the impact is, 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 is minuscule. So I think what we should do is, is focus on things that could, in fact, make a difference. And, uh, you know, if we develop our resources, first of all, we owe it to our countrymen here and, and to the poorest of the poor people around the world. Also, economic growth can finance science and adaptation. And that they really offer the best opportunity for breakthrough, breakthroughs in innovative technology and environmental protection. That's what's going to make, uh, make a difference. So what you're uh, saying, not, not empty gestures. Yeah. And your piece, you also cite that, you know, depriving these people in the developing world from the opportunity to escape grinding poverty would be inexcusable without an existential justification. So you're saying we're not at this existential justification point yet. That, that's right. And to the extent that there is a, a justification, it's got to be based upon something that would actually make a difference. And what is being proposed at enormous cost doesn't actually make a difference. Yeah. That's that's what's inexcusable about you, it. You say climate alarmists stand in the way of progress and prosperity. Uh, so that's kind of counterintuitive. I mean, they've told us that we can actually reconcile a growing economy with a green. A green economy is a growing economy. I think uh, Ms. McKenna said that. Uh, do you, from your own experience, feel that to be the case? Well, it depends on, on how you define green. We know what prosperity is and what growth is. I, I think we've got to, you know, we've got to look at, at ways uh, to, to deal with this, this problem. Uh, certainly, we, we know that the climate is, is changing. We don't know how much of it is anthropogenic, that is, how much is, is caused by human beings. We, we know that human beings do have an impact on GHG emissions and 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 uh, carbon dioxide does have an impact on, on climate, but it's not nearly as as robust a relationship as as is pretended. Uh, and the computer models, as you pointed out earlier, um, you know, tend to always be wrong because there are certain built-in assumptions about the relationship between carbon dioxide and temperature change, and people. You know, we, we know that, uh, that, a, that a doubling will cause an increase of 1.1 degree, but uh, the, the alarmists tell you it's going to be three or four degrees, and that hasn't been 
what's happened. You, you know, um, Joe, let me ask you, because I'm tight on time here. So uh, sure. at the end of it, do you do you feel that the uh, four rebel provinces, including Ontario, are justified in fighting uh, the carbon tax that's been imposed on them? Uh, they've submitted that they've got alternative plans, notwithstanding that this is becoming a constitutional question for them. But uh, do you think that there's any merit in having a carbon tax? No, I don't, because in, in essence, all it is, is is a tax, which is not going to have the environmental impact you want. So it's going to, it's going to slow growth. It's going to inevitably uh, result in, in unemployment. Uh, it may hasten a, a downturn, and it's not going to really achieve what people claim it will. And certainly, uh, governments are not going to be giving all of it back and... Uh, uh, you know, we've, we've seen examples of that. So why why impose an extra cost on, on everything uh, when uh, nothing positive is achieved as a result? Joe, it's always good to talk to you. I appreciate it. And I uh, would, again, direct people to your piece, your op-ed piece uh, yesterday, I guess, or a couple of days ago anyway in the Financial Post, uh, having to do with the climate alarmist, keeping poor people in the dark, literally, you say. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Well, thank you for having me. You got it. Joe Oliver, again, is a former PC finance minister. His take on, well, amongst other things, of course, this uh, climate report that came out from Commissioned by Environment Canada and Climate Change. So, uh, you know, whether or not it's a piece meant to coincide with the rollout of the carbon tax is something that, I mean, many of us might have a strong suspicion about. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.